Are you a clinician in primary care who wishes there were better resources to help you understand how to navigate the concept of triage in modern general practice? We'll boost your triage skills with our dynamic five-session live webinar course tailored for primary care clinicians. Led by myself and Dr. Ed Pooley from Difficult Conversations, this comprehensive training covers all facets of remote patient triage, whether that be digital, on-call, or other opportunities. Through this course, you'll gain practical knowledge, exclusive hints and tips, and direct access to myself and Ed through open Q&A sessions of the course. Elevate your ability to manage primary care challenges effectively and confidently, and most importantly, safely. Register now to transform your triage approach at bit.ly slash GP triage course for GP in capitals. And we will definitely catch you then. The fuller report is out and it details the various different changes that may need to happen in primary care to basically make it more sustainable, effective and survive the ICSs. In this episode, I'm going to look at the actions that have come from the fuller report. More than welcome to check out a longer episode that goes through myself and Andy going through the entire report in detail. But right now we're talking about the actions, who's responsible, what they are and how they may happen. Let's tech enhance your primary care and learning. Hello, EGP learners. And in this episode, we're looking at the fuller report. So this is the stock take that's happened looking at primary care services across the entire country and basically what may need to change in order to develop and deliver more effective primary care to our population. As I mentioned earlier, if you want to check out the full review of the report, do check out our earlier episode and that link will be coming up at the end of this one. Um, alternately, feel free to check it out on the EGP Learning channel or Podblast or if you're listening to us on the podcast. But right now we're going to have a look at the actions. So this is in the annex of the document itself and the link to the document will be in the show notes down below. And you need to go all the way down to page 34, so about three pages in total. And we're going to bring that onto the screen right now for you. So in total, there are 15 different actions of which six of them are for NHS England. Eight of them are for the ICSs, so the Integrated Clinical Care Systems and a couple or so for Department of Health and Social Care, and oh, I think one for Health Education England. I'm going to read through the different actions and stuff and then give you a little bit of interpretation of what I think may need to happen in addition to that. So we're going to crack on right now. So the first particular action, as you can see, is to develop a single system-wide approach to managing integrated urgent care to guarantee same-day care for patients and a more sustainable model for practice. So we know that there are issues with the way that general practice access is currently functioning. Some of this is in part misinformation and perception in terms of how things work and fueled massively so by our media in terms of not showcasing the positives but always focusing on the negatives but there is no doubt there is a challenge in terms of gp access partly driven by the backlog of nhs care with the hospitals as well as increased demand and also the fact that practices have been having to do things completely differently for the past few years because of covid and stuff but we do need to recognize there are challenges and how this can sustainably continue to happen with a reduced GP workforce and primary care workforce is really important. So it mentions about looking at same day access in terms of care, in particular urgent care, and looking at how this may function. The report itself does outline possibilities and exemplar cases of how this has happened. And it may be worth looking at considering the restructure of the and an urgent care within the various different systems. And this is definitely an action for the integrated care system. So the ICSs and things, as you can see by this little column just here and stuff. But it's looking at, you know, finding the most clinically appropriate local service um, and professional for the most appropriate method of care. So basically finding the right person 
for the right mode of care um, at the right time, effectively. And, and that does include whether that's face-to-face -face or a remote consultation. So recognizing the fact that remote consultations are still an appointment. They are still a consultation and things. Next up, we've got number two, which is assist systems with integration of primary and urgent care access. So this is looking at action for NHS England and specifically looking at the role of NHS 111. Why NHS 111? Well, the fact of the matter is that NHS 111 is one of the portals that many people access NHS care with, and it doesn't always work as effectively as it could do. There are a variety of reasons for that, and that's not necessarily down to the individuals working there, but it is down to systems impact and stuff. The software that they use potentially is very safe driven, safety driven, and as a result, of that tends to send a lot of people to ambulances or A&E, etc. Alternately, it may not always be best at directing people to the most appropriate place of care based on the complexity of their health issues and stuff. So that's why it does definitely need a new version in some ways of looking at it. And that's what the document does mention. So considering the development of new metrics and standards on urgent and routine access and introduces planned a new patient centered report experience measure for access to general practice because the current measures don't really work and stuff. Anyway, let's have a look at number three. So action number three is enable all PCNs to evolve into integrated neighborhood teams. This is definitely an action for the systems, and it's quite a big one. It's one of the largest sections that we can see. And this focuses on a variety of aspects. So basically looking at supporting better continuity in preventative healthcare, as well as access with a blended generalist and specialist workforce drawn from all sectors. So this is looking at bringing secondary care closer to the neighborhoods effectively. And in particular, it mentions um, geriatricians, respiratory consultants, pediatricians, and psychiatrists in particular being aligned to neighborhood teams to provide additional care. This then allows a more personalized level of care. And it mentions this throughout. So it seems to use personalized care as an alternative for continuity of care, which more clinicians will probably be aware of that particular term. But it's about basically making care sensible for the individual and stuff. It does talk about looking at admissions, avoidance, discharge and flow and various other things that have impact in that continuity and other new methods like, for example, virtual wards and stuff. And proactively identifying and target individuals who can benefit from interventions in neighbourhood, committing to delivering neighbourhood teams first for core 20 plus 5. So for those that don't know what core 20 plus 5 is, this is the method of trying to focus on health inequalities. So the core 20 is the 20% most deprived areas of the population as based on the IMD criteria. And then in addition, look at the plus categories so the localized variations that the ICSs can pick up and focus on five clinical areas to focus on. So maternity, severe mental Ill health, illness, I'm sorry, um, respiratory disease like COPD, um, hypertension, and I'm afraid the last one's gone out of my mind. Um, it will come back to me on the show at some point. But, you know, looking at various different aspects and things. Um, uh, early cancer diagnosis, that was it. Um, and again, that's an action for the ICSs, as it sounds. So next up, we're going to look at co-designing care. So um, this is about looking at putting um, co-design and putting in place the appropriate infrastructure and support for all neighborhood teams. Again, an action for the ICS. Um, and this is about looking at various different aspects of function. So in particular, integration, data, intelligence, supporting stuff like HR and finance and various other aspects. And maybe taking some of that pressure away from the PCNs. The PCNs have had to set up a lot of this, and that's actually taken a lot of time and diverted them away from potentially being able to develop these systems that may have done more benefit to the local areas and stuff. So I suggest that's an element of that. And specifically putting in place sufficient support for all PCN clinical directors and multi-professional leadership development and protected time for team development. That's really important and interesting. I'm obviously got a slight declaration as a PCN clinical director, but that kind of sounds nice to support us in terms of being able to develop our teams and leadership ability so we can hopefully do more more effectively 
um, and based on the existing organizational capacity and the capacity for primary care across the system, place and neighborhood levels to ensure systems can undertake their core operational transformation functions to basically help the networks to do their job. Cool. That sounds great, doesn't it? So next up, we're going to number five. So develop a primary care forum or network at a system level. So this is kind of interesting. It's suggesting that there does need to be some element of networking abilities between the system um, and sorry, within the system and stuff. And, and, you know, is that just primary care? Well, it does mention a primary care forum. How's that going to be virtual, physical, that kind of stuff. Um, but that may also be effective to have across barriers and stuff. So would that lead to better involvement and stuff? as well as representation. So what does that look like? Is that part of the ICB boards? I mean, there should be primary care representation on the ICB boards. Um, sorry, the IC boards, um, so ICBs um, and things, but it's definitely recognizing that needs to be addressed and stuff. Next up, let's have a look at number six. So embed primary care workforce as an integral part of the system, thinking and planning and delivery. So basically improving workforce data. Support innovative employment models and adoption of NHS terms and conditions. It's potentially looking at agenda for change for primary care. That's going to be a massive shift and significant cost if that was to happen. But actually, maybe that should be something we need to consider and stuff. If there's a vehicle to help it happen, I'm sure most practices would be keen to look at that and stuff. But support the development of training and supervision, recruitment and retention, increased participation of the workforce, including GPs. Because if you exclude us, well, it ain't going to work. But it's more importantly, it's about looking at the depth and breadth of the workforce and stuff. Um, next, up, we're going to have a look at number seven. So including primary care as a focus in the forthcoming national workforce strategy to support ICS to deliver the report in NHS England. This is a task specifically the Department of Health and Social Care and NHS England, as well as HEE, so Health Education England. And I think it's really important that we do need to focus on the primary care workforce. There's been so much focus on secondary care workforce. that We've got loads of secondary care clinicians coming out. But actually, we know that general practice is massively reducing, partly down to reduction in, in um, recruitment, which is now being reversed in terms of the numbers coming out. But actually, retention is the biggest issue. We're not able to retain as many GPs. And that's why many who are training are then either working less or leaving. But more importantly, it's those experienced GPs that are just basically saying they've had enough because of the workforce pressures and stuff and workload pressures and as well as that leaving. So we need to focus on retention within our areas. But it's not just about GPs, it's also about the additional roles, the support that they have, and how can their um, workforce be um, supported, as well as obviously all the other practice teams. So reception staff, practice managers in particular, you, there's so much intelligence within the practice managers themselves, and a massive shout out to the IGPM and some of the network they've created to support that intelligence sharing and stuff. But they're a part, key part, as well as obviously our nurses, physios, PAs, all the other roles within working within general practice and stuff. Anyway, let's have a look now at the next topic. So we're looking at number eight. So pivot to system leadership as the primary driver for primary care improvement and development of neighborhood teams in the years ahead. It's basically allowing some flexibility of how the teams can work and function in terms of delivering care themselves and bringing together existing national primary care funding wherever practical. So yeah, streamline the fund makes life a lot easier. Interestingly, it also says beyond 23-24, maximize system decision-making on any future discretionary investment beyond the DDRB and pay up list. So should you be looking at more effective payments based on your local needs? I think this is really important to consider when it comes to the health inequalities aspect. That's my interpretation of this, that actually there are some areas where, you know, DDRB uplist and stuff may not be enough to maintain and retain the, the workforce that you need. And do you actually need to consider significantly different levels of investment 
for different areas of the same footprint across the system? Maybe. Let's find out. But, you know, we're talking about things like added investment. Some people call them the golden handshakes and things potentially, but other options in terms of maintaining local recruitment of staff and things. Anyway, let's go on to the next one. So number nine, improved data workflows. So data is really important if you haven't figured that already in general practice, as well as the healthcare system itself in terms of the NHS. So including by solving the problem of data, sharing liabilities, issued a revised national template, working with system suppliers on extractor functionality, improving data, support classes, actions one and two, and help identify population cohorts by targeted neighborhood teams. This is NHS England's task. And absolutely, this is an important task to do because data is key. And having good quality data means that we're so much more responsive. We saw with the COVID response in terms of vaccinations and things that actually there is massive uncertainty in terms of how to manage data at times and making it more streamlined and effective. And particularly from a national perspective, would be so much more useful and effective as well as absolutely the integration of data. Please, come on. Can we not have an integrated record that works? You know, system suppliers really need to make sure this is a priority. It's the, one of the biggest inhibitors of care across the entire platform of the NHS itself. Anyway, let's have a look at number 10 now. So we're going to uh, develop a system-wide estates plan to support fit-for-purpose buildings for neighborhood and place teams delivering integrated primary care. That's right, estate. One of the biggest holdalls of all kind of development is the fact that we've got an outdated estate system, particularly in primary care. And this is taking a public estate, a one public estate approach and maximizing the use of community assets and spaces. I've often commented in my local area how my local health center is pretty much half empty most of the time because of a variety of reasons when it comes to the rules and regulations of the use of the space rather than being used effectively. Because it's kind of already being paid for anyway, but it's still fallow. That's a, a massive issue in terms of being then able, able to deliver services because it's the state's costs and implications that actually stop some elements of care from happening. We overcame many of those challenges during COVID. We can do so much more effectively, I think, and absolutely looking at one public estate policy may help to streamline some of that, particularly working with our place-based providers in terms of um, ICPs and stuff. Next, we're going to talk about number 11. So the Department of Health and Social Care, NHS and uh, NHS should provide additional expert capacity and capability to offer solutions to the most intractable estate issues. So basically, there are going to be some situations which are really complex because estates does get really complex. Actually adding some additional resources and services and expertise to fix these challenges because actually these challenges block a lot of the issues in terms of delivering care. <clears throat> so as well as, you know, um, building ICS estates expertise themselves, but should consider what flexibility and permission can be afforded to systems to allow shaping and influencing of the primary care physical estates, um, including um, through reviewing the primary assist cost directions. And Department of Health and Social Care should also ensure that the primary care state is central next iteration of the health infrastructure plan because we do have many outdated places. And actually, that has a huge impact on care. CQC often massively hot on this issue and, and you know, have even, you know, had huge issues with closing practices because of estates issues which may or may not be manageable because of the the history and legacy and stuff so worth looking at how this may look and things for various areas and stuff so um let's have a little look now at number 12 we're almost through all of these so create a clear development plan to support the sustainability of primary care and translate the framework provided by the next steps for integrated primary care into reality across all neighborhoods as you probably figured out this is an ics action um, and in, it basically says looking at looking at unwarranted variation in access, expertise, and, and experience and outcomes. So trying to streamline things across the whole area. 
possibly some elements of crossover with things like the PCN DES and IIF and stuff for how the networks can support this kind of area of work. Um, but effectively, what does this mean moving forward? Well, I think there's different opportunities and stuff, but absolutely supporting primary care where it wants to, to work with other providers at scale, that internal intelligence to help bring providers, collaborators together and stuff, including things like the federations, supra PCN, so cross PCNs. We do that quite a lot in Nottingham. So we've got a city-based network of PCNs, so eight networks trying to work collaboratively to do some aspects of the care together, supported by local federations and things. So that could really help. And this may help to tackle gaps in provision and stuff that are happening in certain areas and communities and things. Right, let's go on to number 13. So this is work alongside local people in the communities in the basically, yeah, it sounds sensible and appropriate. Co-production in some aspects is the other term. This is, again, an ICS function. Um, and looking at the um, planning and implementation and various different things, showing these are basically tailored to the local needs of the population and also taking into account demographic and cultural factors. So if you've got, for example, high non-English speaking populations, then you know, focusing the needs for them. If you've got populations where there's significant amounts of elderly populations, what kind of resources do you need to adapt to meet their needs in preference of a different type of working population, which will have absolutely different needs and stuff. So next up, we're going to talk about um, uh, question, uh, option there, action 14. In support of systems, set out how our actions highlighted for NHS single will be progressed. So, I mean, it's kind of NHS England's job to make it clear how they want us to do things. Please, one of the key things I'm going to emphasize on this is data requests. So it comes back earlier, but actually when NHS England want data to monitor and, and address how general practice and various other places are working, give us the criteria at the start, not a couple of months in, not a couple of weeks to go before you want the information back and stuff, because actually that's just adding so much more complexity and actually taking workforce away from patient services because of the stress and the added workload it provides. So being very clear, I'm going to make this a little bit clearer as well for all of you. So um, being very clear that when NHS England wants information from general practice, from hospital services, from any services it commissions care from, um, that it tells us the criteria before it starts. It's really that simple, you know, preferably a little bit of time before, but at the very least at the start of the thing. Great example of this is things like the impact investment funds and QOF, which are other criteria that are financially marketing, um, managing, sorry, general practice and stuff. But, you know, give us the criteria at the start, not part way through or towards the end. It is simple logic. Sorry, my slight little sidebar there, isn't it? But there, that'd be a key thing. Anyway, we're moving on to the final criteria. So this is um, the final action that's come through um, as part of the Fuller report. Um, so DHS, DHSC, Department of Health and Social Care, and NHS England should rapidly undertake further work on the legislative, contractual, commissioning, and funding framework to enable and support new models of integrated primary care. We should also work to consider how uh, to improve equity and distribution of resource and ultimately improve the health incomes. Again, action for DHSC and NHS England. This is basically looking at how you can improve the models of care across basically um, general practice. Interesting to see whether this makes reference to other types of models. So obviously one of the main models we have across the UK um, is the partnership model. Does that mean moving away from the partnership model? Well, actually, no, when you read the report, it's still a very key supporter of the partnership model itself. But that doesn't necessarily mean there can't be other models that work in collaboration with those on um, um, together with it, basically. But also um, looking at how those resources distributed more effectively um, to improve health outcomes and to the populations of need. 
um, one of the key things uh, I've often commented to many people um, in various instances and stuff, we absolutely needed a change to the funding formula of general practice. The Carhill formula is significantly outdated and not fit for purpose, and yet we are still stuck with it, a system that doesn't actually evaluate the needs of a population and stuff, um, and a funding model that doesn't do that. But it seems it's it's one of those things that's in the too complicated pile to fix, so therefore we never fix it. And the problem with that is we continue the health inequality it drives. So maybe we need to, maybe we absolutely need to finally address this. And this has been tasked potentially to DHSC and NHS England to look at in terms of how that funding works, how the resources work, and also making sure that resources are where they are most needed. We see massive disparity in the coverage, for example, of general practitioners across different parts of the population, where some populations can have one GP to 1,400 patients, and some places can have one GP to 6,000 patients, which then kind of makes you wonder, yeah, that's why you don't get another CGP, isn't it? Common sense. But it needs addressing, it needs looking at, and it needs evaluating and stuff. So anyway, those are the total actions and stuff that come from the document itself. If you do want to check out our full review of the um, fuller stock take report, then do check out our alternative video, um, which the links to that are coming up right about here and stuff. Ultimately, YouTube is recommending another video for you right here. And as always here at EGP Learning, we're here to help tech enhance your primary care and learning. And we will catch you in the next episode. Oh, hello there, EGP Learner. I'm Dr. Gandalf, and I often get asked, what kind of resources do you have to try and help those using EMIS? Because you tend to do a lot more stuff for System 1. And often I've really struggled to answer that question because, let's be honest, I don't use EMIS on a regular basis. So therefore, trying to help EMIS users is a little bit more difficult for myself. And that really made me feel, well, not great. So I kind of did something to try and help all those EMIS users out there. I went and had a chat with one of my colleagues, Dr. Mike from GP on the Move, and him and I have created a course that you can use to help you use EMIS so much better. That's right, if you use EMIS, but you want to use it so much better, so much quicker, and in such a way that means you go home sooner, then check out our EMIS for Clinicians course. It's an online course that takes you through all the tips and tricks that Dr. Mike knows to try and basically mean you can go home quicker. That'd be a cool thing, wouldn't it? And guess what? It's currently on offer. So if you want to take advantage of this introductory offer and get access to it now, look at the links down below and check it out. Additionally, if you're a practice, network or wide area that wants more opportunity to use it, send me an email, egplearning at gmail.com. Let's see if we can help you out. And as I like to say, to tech enhance your primary care and learning. Shall we get back to it? Oh, and if you wanted one for System 1 users, well, you know I've got you covered, haven't I? Check out the Learn System 1 for Clinicians course, bit.ly slash tpp s1 course.